So several years ago, I, uh, I led a team of short-term missionaries to serve at a clinic in northern Haiti. And in flying to Haiti from Miami, we were in your typical, you know, commercial 740, 737 uh, commercial airplane. But on the flight from uh, Port-au-Prince, Haiti in the south to Port-au-Pay up in the north, uh, we hopped on one of those little puddle jumper planes. And you may have flown those many times before, but for me, this was my first experience in one of these. And as we were boarding, um, it was crystal clear that this plane's better days were behind it. And like not even by a little, we are talking a lot. Uh, but our, our team crammed in and I could see the, the look on their faces as they looked at me like, really? This is what we're flying. <laughs> this machine right here, it was in rough shape. But we crammed in and we took off. And I'm telling you, it was the most nervous I have ever been flying. I love flying, but I was like white knuckling it the entire time on, on this flight. Uh, it was like riding a jet ski in the sky. That's like the best description I could give of it. We were up and we were down. If there was a strong crosswind, like you would feel the plane start to like fishtail out here. At one point, the pilot reached over and opened up a window. Like planes should not have windows when they're up in the sky. And, and I'm, I'm fairly certain that there were things rattling on that plane that should not have been rattling. And so we, we make our way up north. Scenery's beautiful. So I'm like, okay, just focus on that, focus on that, focus on that. And then we come and we approach our landing in port au Pay, And I look out the window and I'm like, that can't be where we're landing. It was just this dirt airstrip in the middle of a field. We touched down and I started thinking that it was going to be like a cartoon where the entire plane is falling apart around you as you're like, bah, 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 and that by the time you actually came to the stop, it was just going to be the pilot holding a wheel that's attached to nothing. Like not everything else was just strewn about the, the runway behind it. <laughs> now, why did I have so much confidence in that 737, so much more confidence in it than I did in the Puddle Jumper 3000. Like why, why was I confident and comfortable getting on this huge aircraft like, like that's gonna take me across an ocean over this little, little plane that was gonna take us just like half the distance? Well, I think the Puddle Jumper was this tiny little plane. It was in rough shape. It swayed with the wind, and plus it rattled, and it was loud, and it was the first time I had ever experienced uh, something like that. First time I'd ever been on a plane like that. The 737, on the other hand, was big, strong, powerful, steady, 
You would get some turbulence from time to time, but I had enough experience in the 737 to know that it was going to get us through. In other words, I had more faith in the 737 than I did in that little plane. And I think it's true for all of us that the object of your faith will determine the strength of the faith you have. The object of your faith will determine the strength of the faith you have. You see, I put my faith in both planes to get me where they said that they were going to go. But I had more confidence in the 737 because the object of my faith gave me greater confidence and assurance that it was actually going to get me there. And we know this. In fact, I think that we do this intuitively all the time. Imagine you walk into a room and, and, and you sit in a chair and as soon as you sit down on it, it, you feel like it's about ready to fall apart. It's squeaking. You're not really sure it's going to be able to hold you. What do you do? You, you get up, you kind of push that chair aside, leave it for someone else. And then you go and you find a chair that you have a little bit more confidence and assurance is, is going to, to not fall apart as you sit in it. <laughs> Say you have a friend who is constantly making promises to you, promises that they never keep. And they tell you one more time, hey, I'll be there, man, count me in. And you're like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Because the object of your faith determines the strength of the faith you have. Or you have that friend that, I mean, is just constant in your life. They show up sometimes without even being asked you know that, that if you ask them to be there, they are going to be there. They're going to be early and they're going to bring donuts. Like it's that kind of friend. And so if they say, hey, I'm going to be there, you have confidence that they're actually going to be there because the object of your faith determines the strength of the faith you have. If you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We are in week two of our series called Faith in Action, which is... Um, a little redundant <laughs> because faith is action. But, but all summer long, we are going to be exploring the active faith of these men and women listed in Hebrews 11, this hall of faith, as it's been called. And David and Beth did a great job kicking us off last week just by looking at verse one, simply what is faith and what does it mean to walk in faith? If you didn't get a chance to, to listen to it, go back, find it in our podcast. Uh, it, was, it was excellent. I was here for all three services last week, not just because I wanted to be an encouragement to David and Beth as they spoke, um, but because I told them they were saying things that I needed to hear in that moment. Like their sermon ministered to my own soul. And so it wasn't good enough just to hear it once. I needed it three times. And I want to circle back around to where they landed last week. So let's, let's look again. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1. The author, which we don't know who it is, but the author writes, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Let's read that again. Now faith is confidence, say confidence, in what we hope for and assurance, say assurance, about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. 
And so all of these people that the author is about ready to rattle off throughout the rest of this chapter were commended by God for having confidence in what they hoped for and assurance about what they could not see. They were confident that God was going to give them a land to be their own. They were confident that God was going to deliver a son, an heir through whom a nation would be built even in their own age. They were confident that God was going to come through for them even when all of the evidence seemed stacked against them and pointing to the contrary. Come what may, they walked in this quiet conviction of assurance that what they believed was true and what they hoped for would come to pass even if their eyes would not see it. But why did they have this kind of faith? Like what warrants a faith like that? What gives them the confidence and assurance to do some of the things that they did? I mean, one of the people that we read about in Hebrews 11 is sawed in half. I mean, that's more than just wishful thinking. I hope that this is true. That's a lot more than just sending out good vibes and well wishes into the universe, hoping that it comes back in your favor. What caused these faithful men and women to take acts of faith, exhibit confidence and assurance that oftentimes led to their own death? It was the object of their faith. Because the object of your faith will determine the strength of the faith you have. You see, it was their belief about God that made all the difference, not just their faith in God. It was their belief about God and who he was and what he was like, his character that gave them the courage and the conviction to put their faith into action, to take that next step, even if it was hard. They believed that God is trustworthy and would be true to his promises. They believed that God cared for them. And so they walked in this kind of confidence and assurance with the Lord. And then look at verse three. The author says, and by faith, we, let's pause right there because this is fascinating to me. This, this little part, this verse that we're looking at here actually uprooted my entire week. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. And it would make perfect sense for the author to go from verse two and talking about the faith of the ancients to verse four and starting to talk about the faith that they had and, 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 and dive right in to the faith of Abel. But sandwiched in between verse two and verse four, the author highlights the faith that we have. By faith, we 22 times he uses that phrase, by faith. This is the only time he uses it to look at our faith. I think that's significant. Because before the author focuses on the faith of others, he reminds us that we have faith in this same God. The God who is the object of faith for these men and women who did incredible things, who took amazing risks, That same God is the object of your faith too. The God that they put their assurance in even when they could not see and did not see the final outcome is the God that we can put our assurance in even though we cannot see the full picture of what's happening around us. 
And so before the author jumps to the faith of others, he quickly reminds us that we have faith in this same God. But who is the object of our faith? And can we trust that he is trustworthy and that he cares about us? Look at the rest of verse three. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. I love this. The author points to creation to testify to the goodness and the trustworthiness of God. He he says the universe was formed at God's command. The ESV says that it was created by the word of God. God spoke and creation came into being. By the words of God, everything came from no thing in an instant. That is the object of our faith. And if we believe that God spoke and the universe was formed, that galaxies and stars and planets were aligned at the word of God and came into existence through him, if the God we believe in and put our faith in can do that, then there is nothing that he can't do. One commentary says it like this, faith is what looks at the created order and has a firm and resolute confidence in the God to whom it bears witness, who though unseen has provided a foundation for such a confidence through his mighty acts. That's a pretty loaded statement right there. What he's saying is that we can be confident in what we hope for and assured of what we do not see because the object of our faith who made everything out of nothing with just his words can do the same in us. Creation testifies to the goodness and the power and the trustworthiness of our God. Paul says it like this in Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen In other words, creation displays the glory of God. It shows us his his nature, his character, his power. It's all revealed in creation. And we see it all around us. We are surrounded by it. Creation reveals the power of God. And scientists are discovering new and exciting things all the time about our universe, books filled with things that we thought we once knew and were confident and assured of are being rewritten as we send out more powerful and bigger telescopes into orbit. And every time I see something else come out, it just makes me go, wow, God, you are incredible. You are more powerful than I could ever imagine. And I think it just depends on where you start from because there are some people who look at that and they go, wow, our universe is amazing and it is. But I look at it and I go, wow, God, you are amazing. 
We are living in such a cool time when we get to see and learn about how God did what he did in creation and it all reveals his power. It all goes back to him. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and in an instant, the universe exploded into existence. And still today, it reveals the power of God. But creation also reveals the care of God. Our heavenly father tuned this world to be exactly the way that we need it. He dialed our universe in so precisely that if it were just a hair off in either direction of like 15 different things, life as we know would not be able to exist. And the odds of our universe coming together in the way that it did by chance uh, would be like if you and I sat down uh, to, to play euchre with some friends and, and the, the first hand is being dealt and I pick up my cards and it's like one of those dream hands in euchre that I have the left, the right, the ace, the king, and the queen. I mean, at that point, it's just like, well, game over. Uh, sorry about your luck, I win. And you as my teammate would be like, awesome, that's great. Um, but then let's say we play the next round and I pick up my hand and it's the left, the right, the ace, the king, the queen again and lay it down. Sorry, I don't know how this is happening. It just did it again. And that happened not just once, not just twice, not just three times, but 20 straight times. At some point, you and certainly the people that we were playing against would start to think, something is up here. What is going on? Someone is behind this. Well, those are the same odds for our universe coming and being precisely the way that it is for us and for life to be able to form. And so I look at that and I think, wow, someone is behind this. Something, someone, a designer is behind this. Creation reveals the care of our God to get our universe just right for us. It reveals his power to create and bring forth life where there was nothing. Creation reveals God's eternal power and his divine nature. The theological words are his transcendence and his imminence. God's transcendence and his imminence. God is transcendent in that he is big and powerful and he creates new life with just a word. He is transcendent in that he exists beyond the, the, the things that we are limited by, things like time and, and space. But yet he is also imminent. He is close and he cares about you. And this matters because this is the object of our faith. And the object of your faith will determine the strength of the faith you have. And over the next few weeks, we are going to study the faith of various men and women that they had in the transcendent, imminent God that gave them the confidence and the assurance to put their faith into action. And I'm looking forward to diving into the rest of Hebrews 11. Don't miss the beauty of verse 3. I almost did. Going into my study time this week, um, I was fully planning on preaching um, the faith of Abel. And as I was kind of reorienting myself to the text after being away for a little bit and just doing a little slow read through it and, and praying through it, I could not escape verse three. It just kept ringing in my ears. 
And I thought before we go and we look at the faith of others, man, let's pause and take just a little bit more time to look at the object of our faith. This God who is transcendent, big, powerful, almighty, but who is also incredibly near to us. So that as we grow in our own faith, the strength of that God, then we may have the same confidence and conviction and assurance to step out in faith like we saw them do. The beauty of this verse is that we can have confidence and assurance because the object of our faith is both powerful and near. He is close enough to care about you and he is powerful enough to be your refuge and your strength when life doesn't make sense, when you don't know what is next, when you don't know where to turn, And so where do you need God's power today? Where do you need to place your faith in a strong God to find confidence in what you hope for? Confidence that he is big enough to deliver even even if you don't see the end result. Where do you need God to draw near? What pain in your life do you need God to hover over and bring healing Where do you need assurance about what you do not see? Questions that you have? Worries that keep you up at night? Where do you need an imminent God, a God who is near and close to sidle up next to you and to be be your refuge and your strength? The touch of a loving father to give you courage and conviction to keep pressing on when all you want to do is stay in bed. We can have confidence today because the object of our faith is both powerful and near. And Jesus is the greatest proof of that. When Jesus walked this earth, he drew near to people who were hurting and broken. He showed the love of the Father in the way that he tenderly cared for them. When everyone else wrote them off, looked down on them, walked right past them, Jesus walked to them and showed them the love of the Father. But he didn't just care for them. Jesus showed the power of God to do something about their situation, the power of God to restore and redeem and renew what sin had broken and taken away from them. And all of us need Jesus to do the same for us. No one loves you like he does. And no one has the power to forgive our sin and bring us back into a right relationship with God. And so today, if you need God's power, or care, comfort, presence. Turn to Jesus and find what your heart desires. I'm gonna invite Hannah to come back up and show us and tell us how we can do that this morning. But first, let me pray. God, thank you for your mercy and your love. Thank you that you are big and you are powerful and you are almighty, and yet you are as close as a whisper to us. Lord, I pray that, that we, will, we will grow in our understanding of you, the object of our faith, so that we can have a greater, stronger faith in you, that, that we can have greater confidence and assurance to take those steps of faith that you are calling us to. You who spoke and the universe came into existence, Lord, what, what can you not do? And so give us the trust, give us the faith 
to put our faith into action, to trust you, to see you move in and to see you move through us as we walk in faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can watch all of our video content, both current and past, on our YouTube channel? Visit youtube.com slash Sherwood Oaks to watch messages, series, and complete worship services.